welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So let's stand to our feet and welcome Pastor Mike Smith. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. What a great blessing it is to be here on Lee's birthday. I can still remember that night when Lee made her first appearance. (laughs) That was so good. Hey, it's great to be here. Just a bit of small talk just before I start. Go the Sainters. Okay, that's a small talk. (laughs) Leading the competition, St Kilda. Um, Julie and I, as if you don't know us, um, Julie and I pastored here for many, many years. And two years ago, we moved up to North Queensland, where we live, um, at a place called Balgal Beach. And um, now, I thought I was going into retirement, but um, I've actually gone into refinement. And I'm doing a lot of ministry up in North Queensland, which I thoroughly enjoy. And it is a great pleasure to be here this morning to speak. Praise God. I liked what you said too, Justin, about, about presence. That, um, that's pretty much a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today, so it is really good. Hey, have you ever read a scripture and it has just literally jumped out of the Bible and it becomes sort of like it gives you direction in life, something that absolutely gives you something that you think... What this scripture is saying um, is something that I can really build my life upon. Have you ever done that? You've got a scripture, you've grabbed hold of one, you've got a favourite scripture, and it's become like a guiding light in your life. I'm sure we all have. I know for me, one of the scriptures, and it really has, I've really been looking at it a lot lately because I'm speaking on the subject, has been the 23rd Psalm, which clearly... Um, you guys have been uh, doing so much stuff on this year, you know, with the table and all of that. But the 23rd Psalm, and today I want to talk about from this Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, there are two principles. Well, there's actually more than two, but there are two which I want to focus on. Two things that mean so much to me in my life. Two things that I am, what's the word I want to look at? I'll even use the word striving towards because I want it so much that I'm really, really digging deep and it's my, it is my goal. And I'm going to be talking about these two, these two themes from the 23rd Psalm, um, Revelations, if you like. And the two themes are this. Revelation number one is the theme of the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. And the second theme which I want to talk about this morning is the family seated at the table. That is what I want to talk about this morning, and I pray that God will, um, God will, will bless you. I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to say these two themes, the theme of the Lord is my shepherd and the family at the table. These themes, if embraced, have the capacity, have the ability to cause us personally to live in a state of revival which I don't know about you there, but that's what I want. I want to live personally in my heart in a state of revival. But I also believe that they will, that that a revelation of these two themes, which I'm going to be talking about, will bring about a 
an ongoing, persistent spirit of revival within your church, which is amazing. And so the first revelation comes from Psalm 1. I love this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. This, the, the, the 23rd Psalm would have to be the most popular psalm uh, in the Bible. Before I became a Christian, I probably knew this psalm, um, you know, inside out, back to front. That was before I was a Christian because you hear it at weddings, you hear it at funerals. When I was a young boy, believe it or not, I was in the church choir. I wasn't a Christian, but we used to sing the 23rd Psalm all the time. It is so well known. But when I became a born-again Christian, it took on a completely new meaning. It was kind of like the Lord, not just a religious song, not just a religious um, statement, but, but the Lord, the Lord, the God who's real, the almighty God is my shepherd. He, he, he's my shepherd. It was like, as a young Christian, I personalize this. He is God. He is my shepherd. That, that statement in itself is just going to add something to a, to a person's life, knowing that, that God, he is my shepherd. He, um, it's, it's a very, very personal thing, but it's, it's a very, very real thing. The fact is that the God who has created everything, the God of love, God, has revealed himself personally to me and I can say, he is my shepherd. I'm going through life knowing I have a shepherd who loves me. When, when I go through good times, I have a shepherd. When I go through bad times, I have a shepherd. I, I can live in his presence 24-7. It really is something that, as I said, it can cause us to have a heart that constantly is in revival. You know, um, David, the, the, the author of the psalm, sums this up beautifully in Psalm 1611. I love this verse. David says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. For years and years and years I preached that it's not just in your presence is fullness of joy, but in your presence is the fullness of everything. In God's presence, that the, the, it, everything is there in God's presence. David goes on to say, and that um, at your right hand, <laughs> at your right hand are pleasures forever. This is how David, the shepherd who became king, who then wrote about the shepherd, this is his testimony that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Now, of course, a thousand years after David, Jesus came and Jesus, Jesus then declares, he says, I am the good shepherd. So we have in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. David, is, David declares himself as being the good shepherd. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, which is throughout my life been my very favorite verse, the good shepherd says to me and he says to you, I have come as the good shepherd that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This, 
this revelation of um, the Lord is my shepherd, it, 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 it just can't be something that we say with no heart. It's got to be something that we can personalize. The Lord, he is my, he's my shepherd. Praise God. David then goes on and he testifies what the shepherd means to him and what the shepherd has done. And I just want to read to you Psalm 23, verses 2 to 3, because this is part of David's testimony. David says this, and I'm reading it to you because I am agreeing with David's testimony. David's testimony is my testimony. What David has said in Psalm 23 is something that has worked in my life and will continue to work. David says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I love that because like David, I can testify after being a Christian for 45 years that God has led me. God has guided me. God has led me. Sometimes I haven't even, well, I won't even say sometimes, I'll say many times, I haven't even been aware that God has been leading. But God, but when the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead you in your, your life. Now, I know that when I first became a Christian at 40, 45 years ago, God planted me in a church. For 45 years, I have been planted in a church. That's what I've known in life. And I would have to say that as I look back now, now over my life, I can see some of the major things that have happened. It's been all about He. He has, he has led me. I got planted in a church and I grew as a, as a Christian. After three years, after being planted in the church, God brought into my church, into my small group, my home fellowship group, Julie. And Julie came into my home fellowship group, and I looked at her, and at the end of the night, I said to a friend of mine, I said, I've just got a funny feeling that my wife walked in tonight. Now, we've been married for 41 years, praise God, but I met her in church. All of my children have grown up in church. I've baptized all of my children in church. They've been planted in church. My, my career developed from being a church member. So... <laughs> As I look back over 45 years, I could say, well, I probably did a few good things with skill and, you know, with the mind that God's given me and all of those. But I would have to say, he has led me. My shepherd, my shepherd has led me. Even when I wasn't even aware of being led, he has, he has led me. David goes on to say that, David says, he restores my soul. And, I'm, and soul, of course, being um, our mind, emotions, and will. And I would have to say, looking back over 45 years, that God has restored my emotions, my will. You know, it's interesting in the Bible. This is just a, a little sort of um, symbolic thing here. But in the Bible, you've got the restoration books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And the book of Ezra was all about the fact that the temple had been absolutely, absolutely leveled by the Babylonians and Jerusalem was an absolute rubble. And so Zerubbabel comes in and he builds the temple. You know, the temple amongst the ruins speaks to us of the born-again experience, how 
Um, you know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that speaks to us. Zerubbabel came and amongst, amongst the rubble and the ruin, the temple got built. But then years later, Nehemiah, and the name Nehemiah, one of the names for Nehemiah is Comforter, the name of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah inquired about the temple in Jerusalem. And the report was, the walls are still a rubble. You know, the walls in the Old Testament keep, keep the enemy out. You know, when you've got walls, it's protection. The enemy can't get in. And here we have the temple. But, you know, sometimes when we first come to Christ, we are thoroughly born again, but our mind and our emotions and our wills are, are just rubble, you know, from our past. And the enemy comes in from every direction. But it's, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to restore our soul. You know, David said, he restores my soul. And Nehemiah was all about the fact that Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah was all about the fact that Nehemiah, the comforter, rebuilt the walls so the enemy couldn't get in. He restores my soul. David then goes on to say, um, very beautifully, he says, he says, God has led me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. I, I think that is incredible, the fact that when you and I receive Christ as our Lord and Saviour, in an instant, in, a, in, a, in, a, in just a, a flash of time, a declaration was made over us, you are righteous. I, I think that that, that that doctrine of justification, which Martin Luther nailed on the, at the cathedral of, at Wittenberg uh, during the Reformation, that justification by faith alone is, is just priceless. When I received Christ, I was declared righteous. And one of my very favorite verses, which I want to show you now, um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8. This is a profound scripture. Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Once you were darkness, you went from darkness to light, and it wasn't a gradual process. It was an instantaneous process. You were darkness, you received Christ. The moment you received Christ, you were given the, the gift of justification, and God now sees you as light. Once you are darkness, now you are light. That is the incredible doctrine of, of justification. But Paul then goes on to say, therefore walk as children of light. David says that God leads him in the path of righteousness. And here we have this incredible principle that every Christian just needs to totally understand that you aren't a condemned person, you aren't a, a dark person, you, you are light in the Lord, you are, a declaration has been made over you, you are righteous. But I don't think it stops with, the, with this process of justification because Paul says, you are, you are light in the Lord, therefore walk as children of light. And David talks about this. And the thing which I just love about my shepherd, who not only has justified me, but in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, this, from the New Living Translation, it says this, for God is working in you. God is working in me. 
giving you, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not only has God declared me as righteous, but he's given me, he, he's given me the ability through the Holy Spirit to also walk righteously for his namesake. I just love that. Justification and sanctification going hand in hand. Praise God. This is David's testimony, and I have seen this outworked. And then, and then David the shepherd tells me, that whatever happens to me in my life, and this is huge, that he will be with me. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That is, that is, an, amazing, that is an amazing testimony from a man who knows what it was to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is something that isn't just something that is, that is worrying, it is terrifying. When you're in the shadow of the valley of death, this is, this is terrifying stuff. And David knew what it was like because David had a life that was constant. His life was constantly threatened. Death was always just around, around the corner for David. But it wasn't, just, it wasn't just physical. David experienced all of it. David went through relationship crisis situations, unbelievable relationship crisis situations. David, David, went, through, David went through poverty and homelessness, fear of death, physical, emotional, mental abuse, all of it. And his testimony is, you are with me through all of this and I fear no evil. I read that. And I've got to say I'm personally challenged because I'm not at that level. You know, when, th when, when I'm faced with, with situations that can cause fear and terror, I'd love to be able to say, well, I don't even, I'm not even fearful of this. But David said that. I will, I will fear no evil because you are with me. This is the power of presence. This is the power of the Lord is my shepherd, I have a shepherd. I'm, I am going through, I am going through the valley of the shadow of death, but my shepherd is with me. This, this is why I'm saying a revelation of Jesus being our shepherd can cause our heart to be revived. Because basically there is nothing that you can't get through. And this is something that I'm convinced about. I am completely convinced I'm convinced because I see it in God's Word. And you've got to remember that God's Word is like God sitting next to you, speaking to you. I have seen it, I have seen it through, personal, through hearing testimonies of people, Christians, who've gone through the most, most terrible situations who have come through it because of God. And I've seen it through personal experience. And I can make this statement. I am convinced that there is nothing that our shepherd can't bring us through. There is nothing our shepherd can't bring us through. You know, it's he who leads us. It is he who restores us. It's he, he, he. It's presence and so, realistically, this is how you live in victory, by having a revelation of the Lord is my shepherd. Praise God. We now come to verse, verse 5, and in verse 5, David presents a very 
confronting but encouraging picture. Let's have a read of it. Um, Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. This is so encouraging. It is encouraging because he's prepared a table for us. He provides for us. That is encouraging. But the confronting thing is, it is a table of blessing which he's prepared for us, but it's also in the presence of our enemies. And I think that that is a very confronting thing, and that is something that we need to be aware about when you turn on the news and things like, like this. Um, we have got a shepherd who's, pre who's prepared a table, but, but we are surrounded by things that are not good. Um, and I, I do think that that is very, very, very important that, that as Christians that we are aware of this, that not everything is rosy. It is for us. But um, Paul sums it up. The Apostle Paul, who, you know, this is one of the most in-your-face scriptures in the Bible, you know, and we, we need to believe it because it's the Word of God. Um, Ephesians 6 verse 12 for the New Living Translation. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Like we're not fighting against Putins or, you know, whatever but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Um, it's, it's a pretty full-on spiritual reality. But the, but the, but the wonderful thing is, um, we are God's family, and we are seated at a table, feasting with him. And, um, which is pretty full on. Now, the last verse of this psalm. Where am I up to? My eyesight's not as good as it used to, so I've been struggling to read my notes, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, look, have a look at, look at, Look at the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, that is pretty full on. Um, the scripture, I think, that absolutely makes this thing come together is Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It's Jesus speaking. And Jesus says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, you know what it was like before you're a Christian and you just sensed there was a knocking, that there was a drawing, and you opened the door and Christ came in? If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I praise God that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm sitting at this table all the days of my life and goodness and mercy will follow me. I am, Jesus is eating with me. We're having a meal together. But I wanna go, I wanna go further here because it's not just all the days of my life, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are talking about all of eternity. So realistically, we've got two tables. We've got this table where we sit down and we have our feast here, surrounded by enemies, and we are here. But there's another table 
which, which is in the future, and that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is another time. There is another feast. There's another table. And so what we're talking about, this goodness and mercy, goes on forever and ever and ever. Praise God. This is what the Lord my shepherd has done for me. And this is what, when the Lord is your shepherd, it is what he has done for you. And so I, in my remaining time, have just got my, my second point, which I'm now going to cut short. The second revelation is <clears throat> the family seated at, at the table. Praise God. The family seated at the table. I'm sitting at the table and I am cheers. I am, I am so blessed seated at the table. But as I'm sitting at, seated at the table throughout my life, there's been a conversation which I've had which God has had with me. And the conversation would go like, you're seated at the table, but Mike, there's a lot of empty seats here. You're seated at the table in the presence of your enemies. I'm looking after you. But there are many, many people who are in the presence of the enemy and they don't have a shepherd. They don't have one. The seats are empty. Mike, I want to partner with you through the Holy Spirit to see these seats filled. This is something that, again, defines my life. Something that I'm, I'm, I'm completely aware of. And I, I am aware, you see, God's eternal plan, and God has an eternal plan, has always been for a family who will live with him forever. Forever and ever. A family, family, family. That's what, what God is all about. Our Father in heaven. It's about the Father and his family. And God really, really wants his family here, not out here. You know, if you look at the very first words of God in the Bible, the first words that God spoke to the human race was Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Be fruitful and multiply. God is saying to the very first man, I want a family, go out there and be fruitful and multiply because I want a family. That was God's first words to his created people. Then Fast forward to when, to when Jesus came, the very last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, the last words of our shepherd were, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We love that. But then he goes, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's first words, I want a family. Jesus' last words were, go and tell people because I want a family. They were Jesus' last words before he ascended, and they were Jesus' first words to the new creation church. But then it goes further, the very last words of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, we have, and the Spirit and the bride. The bride are the believers in Christ. The Spirit and the bride say, come, come 
to the table. This is something that is so incredibly important to God. And so in my last few minutes, before I finish, I want to give to you guys two scriptures that I have owned. Well, I don't own them. I, you know, you can have them too. But two scriptures that I really, really take very, very seriously and they define my life in many ways with this whole thing. For me, this is the solution for filling the empty table. I'm going to give you the solution to fill the empty table or one of the solutions, I should say. We never want to just sort of, you know, just say this is the only way. But um, first one, and I just want to, want to read it to you again is Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read it again, and we're just going to have a little look at it. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I want to highlight four words here. But, first word is you. You. But you will receive power when the second word, Holy Spirit, comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You, everyone, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has been called to be a witness everywhere. And if we can get these, if we can get these four words into our spirits, into our hearts, and we become, hear, we become doers, not just hearers, I guarantee you will have a heart that will be in a state of revival and you will have a church that is in a state of revival. Even though your church is very revived as it is, this will even, even, even increase it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone, everywhere, a witness. And we will start to see the table being filled. The second, the second verse that means so much to me has been Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. I love it. Rivers speaks to us of the rivers of the Holy Spirit. We all know, we all know what it's like to experience the rivers, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We come to church and we, we have an encounter with God during worship. It's like the rivers. We listen to a, um, somebody preaching the word. It's like the rivers. It's rivers. Rivers are amazing in the four walls of the church. But what God is saying, the new thing is, yeah, we've got to come to church, we experience the rivers, the presence, the Holy Spirit in church and in our lives. But when we walk out the door, it, it hasn't ended, it's just begun because we've got to take the rivers to the desert places. The desert places are where the lost people are, the broken people are, the hurting people are, the millionaires who just don't know what to do are, the sporting heroes who don't know Christ. They're everywhere. And when we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone, a witness everywhere, we will start to see those rivers going out into desert places. Praise God. I was at a, a church a couple of weeks ago and I had a, I had a number of, of meetings there and I spoke to the pastor a few days ago and he told me, he said, I'm putting up this great big sign in on the back wall near the door of his church and the sign 
is going to say something like, when people go out, you are now entering your mission field. <laughs> I think you know that church is going to be in revival. So that's it. My oh, I'm going to finish with, a, with the most wonderful testimony of my entire life. That's a big call. I better have a drink and think about this one. It probably is. Because, you see, I have a little thing. It's very, very simple of how I live my life 24-7. For me, I just call it, it's a little formula I've got on how to be the everywhere person. I call it CSI. Crime Scene Investigation. No, it's not that. It's C is connect, S is so seed, and I is invite. I, this is just how I sort of think. Anyway, my father is 99 years old. He's got the brain, he's got the mind of a 30-year-old. His body is sort of starting to get where a little bit thin, but he thinks his mind's completely there. My father's been an atheist all of his life. My father's family have been atheists. They are, they've all been very bright academic people. In fact, dad's brother, my uncle, Uncle Howard, I might have heard you before, he was the British ambassador in Northern Ireland during the time of troubles. He was the British ambassador in Moscow and he was the head of MI5. That's my uncle, Uncle Howard, Sir Howard Smith. They've all been very, very bright atheists and that's been dad, but but throughout, for 45 years, CSI, I have been connecting with Dad. I have been building relationships, trying to be a good son to him. Because before I was a Christian, I wasn't a very good son, I must say. <laughs> but when I became a Christian, I became a good son. So there was this wonderful connection for 45 years. During that time, I sowed as much seed what I mean by seed is I threw things into my relationship with dad, which was designed to get him thinking, just to sort of get him thinking about God. But it was as though there was just nothing there. It was as though every time I'd do it, it would come like, oh, that's so good for you, Michael. I'm so glad you're happy. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so I'd be sowing seed, sowing seed, sowing seed. And all, every bit of seed I could think of. You know, I, I even, um, on, a couple of years ago on Christmas, when dad told me he had a... Um, uh, tooth, what's that word called? An abscess. I said, Dad, how are you? I phoned him up Christmas. He said, oh, I've got this tooth abscess. I said, can I pray for you? And he said, okay, which was a miracle because as Lee knows, Lee's often, often to pray for granddad and he, he will not even let you pray. He said, yeah, okay, you can pray. I prayed for him. And then a couple of days later, my sister said, oh, Dad thinks you're the miracle man. And I'm thinking, oh, what? He said, yeah, 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 you pray for him. He got instantly healed. So it's all seed, 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 seed. The thing about seed is seed grows. I love that seed grows. So with some things, just you know, there are some plants, it takes forever for the thing to grow. You know, it's because um, he was a horticulturist, so he'd know that. Anyway, so I'm, I have seed connected with that. I've been sowing seed. Then I invited him to hear the gospel. And the way that happened, Julie and I went over to Dad's house. He's at this stage 98. 98. And it was 97. Okay. I said, Dad, I've put together a little video teaching where I explain what Christianity is all about. And some of your family are on this as well. Hook, 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 hook. You know, throwing all the hooks in. I said, would you be interested in watching it? And Dad says, oh, yeah, okay. 
and we put it on the computer. There's dad sitting there watching it. He saw, it was either three 20-minute episodes of this. It's a five series. Three 20-minute episodes. He's sitting there watching it with his eyes wide open. After three episodes, he turns to me like that and he says, it's all starting to make sense. Now, this has been 45 years. He's been an atheist. It's all starting to make sense. Later that day, we were in the kitchen talking and dad goes, look at this. Look at my hand. I'm thinking, yeah. He says, surely some intelligent designer had, this couldn't have just happened. Surely somebody did this. That afternoon, he went from being an atheist to a theist. So he believed in God. He wasn't a Christian, but he now believes in God. He, he, after a lifetime being an atheist at the age of 97, he's now a theist. Anyway, I see Dad. I, I, I go over and visit him later. And I say, Dad... Um, can I show you something which would be very interesting to you because you are now searching. I said, I'm, I'm going to show you some of the Alpha course with Nicky Gumbel. Anyway, I played this episode where Nicky Gumbel explains why Jesus is the Son of God because that was Dad's big thing. He didn't believe that. And it's this whole thing of why Jesus is the Son of God. And at the end of it, Dad goes, hmm, evidence shows that Jesus is the Son of God. I said, Dad, you believe in God. Now you believe in Jesus. Do you want to become a Christian? And at the age of, at this stage, 98, Dad said, yes, I'd like to become a Christian. <laughs> Praise God. And this, this is what I, what I find. Jesus, the, the Jesus principle, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was a friend. Become a friend. Make sure you've got a lot of friends that are non-Christians. And sow seed. Don't Bible bash them. Don't ram things down their necks. Sow seed and trust the Holy Spirit. I had to wait 45 years. But for Dad, I, when I invited him to hear the gospel and he heard it with an open mind, the gospel carries supernatural power. The mess of what Christ has done, what the good shepherd has done, carries supernatural power. Boom. Okay. Praise God. There we go. Can I leave you with one scripture? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This, this is something to take home. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is Paul. Paul says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, the context, Paul's talking about this with finances, and I think that's a very good principle. But I think it also comes from witnessing sowing seed. In, in what, what, what God said to me is, Mike, in your life, sow as much seed as you possibly can in your lifetime. And that's now what I do. I sow as much seed as I can. A lot of the time, I've got no idea what the seed's going to do because seed takes its time to grow. But if we sow nothing, we'll reap nothing. But if we sow bountifully, we will reap a lot. Praise God. Let's all stand. I want to pray for you. I just want to, I just want to say to you now, and it would be amazing for you to make this declaration, that the Lord is your shepherd. And your life is going to be all about he, 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 he. Yes, you've got 
your own skills, you've got your own abilities, you've got, you've got, your, you know, you've got all of those things, and that's, that, that is wonderful, and that will get you a long way. But it won't get you anywhere near as far as you need to go without the revelation that's going to be He, 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 He. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You have a shepherd. He's real. He's alive. He's there. He cares for you. Think about it. Think about it for a few seconds. In your own mind, say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have a shepherd. I have a shepherd. I'm not alone. I have a shepherd. I'm going through hell right now, but I've got a shepherd who's looking after me. I'm going through the most incredible blessing of all time at the moment, and, and, and I've got a shepherd who, 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 who looks after me. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I, I pray right now that this is a revelation that will grow and develop within our hearts till we can reach the David, to this David place where David says, no matter what happens to me in this life, he's with me and fear will never be part of the equation. I never, ever, ever will have to fear because I have a shepherd. I just pray for that revelation for all of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.